This morning, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7. As you're turning there, uh, we're going to delve into a little bit of the book of Ezra and Nehemiah because it's really one long book split up into two. But, but before we talk about all that, I, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Anyone in here make any New Year's resolutions? I don't want to hear what they are. You can tell me later. Raise your hand if you have a New Year's resolution of some kind that you're trying to keep. And you have not resolved to do anything. Nobody in here wants it. One person, two people have made New Year's resolutions. You know, I... I always tease that I only make one resolution each year, and that's to keep all of my New Year's resolutions. And by only making one, I'm able to keep it because I only made one, and then I keep it. So it makes it pretty easy if you set the bar really, really low. Now, I think a good New Year's resolution would be to put on 10 pounds. I think maybe that's going to be my New Year's resolution this year. Or, or eat better. And by better, I don't mean more healthy, I mean better food, more fried stuff. And you know, set the bar really low, and then you'll be able to, to reach it. Making New Year's resolutions is, is something that is very common. Now, I don't think it should be, be only done once a year. Uh, I don't think resolutions should be made only on January 1st. I think it's important that we make commitments to things that are important whenever we need to make commitments to things that are important. It is convenient that on January 1st, we have this mental image of a blank calendar, a blank slate, a new, fresh start. And it's a perfect time to make some sort of resolution, to make some sort of decision, to make some sort of commitment. And so I would encourage you, if you've not made any resolutions yet, whether you want to call it a New Year's resolution or not, to think about the things that God wants you to do with your life starting today and make the commitment to do that. This week and next week, we're going to be looking at a two-part series on how to respond to the Bible. And so if you have not made a resolution yet, can I encourage you to make your resolution this year to become a Bible scholar? Now, that is not setting the bar low. That is setting the bar high. But let me encourage you this year not to make a resolution to get through a certain amount of the Bible, or not to make a resolution just to, to try to read a little bit more. Make your resolution high enough that your goal is to know the Bible really, really well. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you will not end the year knowing everything there is to know about the Bible. But if you set the bar high, chances are you will know a lot more about the Bible, and consequently a lot more about the God who gave us the Bible. And so this week and next week, I want to talk about consuming Scripture, reading Scripture, knowing what Scripture says and, and how to respond to Scriptures. So this week and next week, we're looking at two individuals, two men who responded to hearing the Word of God in very different ways, but both very appropriate ways. We can think of a lot of ways that is a poor way to respond to Scripture. But I want to focus on the positive. How does God want us to respond when we hear and read his word? The book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah were written as one book, and they were split for length purposes in half. But there's really three separate stories in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. The first is chapters 1 through 6 of the book of Ezra. It follows a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was responsible for rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. 
His job was to come in and, and build the temple new. Now, I've thought a lot about this past year and how much of a struggle it has been in many ways. We had 12 months of enduring a pandemic and murder hornets and uh, you name it, they were there, right? But the nation of Israel, as the book of Ezra starts, has not endured 12 months, but years, decades, 40 years of being ripped away from their homes, of being forced into slavery in a foreign land, and after 40 years, they're finally returning home. It really puts our one year in perspective, doesn't it? It really makes us stop and think, Lord, you, you made me endure 12 months. But the nation of Israel has dealt with worse for 40 years. Their hometown was destroyed. Jerusalem, their holy city, their temple was burned. There was nothing left. And Zerubbabel comes in and he is charged to, to build the temple to God again. Then in chapters 7 through the rest of the book of Ezra follows the man named Ezra. And his job is to, now that the temple has been built, how do we get the people to worship correctly again? But what, are, what are the things that they need to be doing properly? Let's look back at what the whole of Scripture written to that point says and make sure we're following obediently what God calls us to do now that we have this place of worship. And then the book of Nehemiah, they're rebuilding the city itself, the walls around the city for protection, and they're trying to reestablish this, this city that God has given the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem. But right here in Ezra chapter 7 is our transition from the temple is built to, now what do we do in the temple? How do we, how do we worship properly? And God used a man named Ezra to motivate the people to study what the Word says and to live it out. Now, a couple of things strike me about Ezra, and we're only going to be looking at verse 10 this morning, but if you read all of chapter 7, or if you want to read the whole book of Ezra, it's a little long, but it's a good read. In chapter 7 specifically, it tells us that Ezra, up in exile with the rest of the nation of Israel, is allowed to come back home and is given free reign by the emperor of Persia to, to do whatever he needs to do for the betterment of the people of Israel. And it says he left Babylon, or, or Persia, I'm sorry, he left Persia the first day of the first month. He had a New Year's resolution. <laughs> and he arrived in Jerusalem the first day of the fourth month, uh, fifth month. It took him four months to travel. It's about 900 miles, and you can do the math in your head if you like, but that is an extremely slow pace. Four months for 900 miles is ridiculously slow about 120 days, 900 miles. That's, that's really, if you're walking on your own, you could probably get five, maybe even 10. Some of you who are really strong and healthy, 20 or more miles a day. If you're on an animal, maybe even further. And, and here it takes them four months at this extremely slow pace, a, a couple of miles every day. And yet what strikes me as you read Ezra chapter 7 is a repeated phrase that says, the good hand of my God was upon me. In my extremely slow pace of travel, the good hand of my God was upon me. In my returning to uh, my home, the good hand of my God was upon me. In my coming out of 40 years in exile, the good hand of my God was upon me. Over and over and over again, 
we see a man who recognizes the good hand of his God. How is it after 40 years of suffering and four months of slow, sluggish travel does a man come to the place and say, God is good? I believe it had to do with his knowledge and study of the scriptures, his response to what he read, his understanding of, of what God was wanting to teach him. So I want to respond to Scripture. I want to respond to the Bible the way Ezra does this morning. Look with me in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Just going to look at one verse this morning. It says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now, this is one verse we're looking at, and sometimes when you read Scripture, you go, God, I don't even know what you want me to do with that. And then sometimes you come across a verse like Ezra 7.10, and there's a sermon. You could preach this sermon this morning. It's laid out with three beautiful points. It's sitting there going, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the example set before you. And it'd be real easy to look at those three points and say, we're going to talk about how you should study the law of the Lord, how you should do the law of the Lord, and how you should teach the law of the Lord. And in general, that is going to be your three points. But I think there's an underlying issue. Because I think, honestly, if you look at those words, study, do, teach, you go, all right, study, that's hard work. Yeah. Study's a, a lot. Do it, okay, I, I can try my best to do it. And to teach it, I'm not a teacher, I'm out. If we only focus on three words, I believe that many of you will tune out and be done. So instead, I want to ask how you can be like Ezra. How you can be what Ezra is described in Ezra chapter 7 as an expert in the law. How you can be responding to Scripture in a way that makes you say, God, you are so good in every circumstance. So this morning, we're going to look at how Ezra responds to the Bible and how you and I need to do the same. But the first thing I think we want to focus on is that Ezra was determined to make Scripture a priority. Ezra was determined to make Scripture a priority. Yes, he was a scholar. Yes, he was a priestly lineage. Yes, he was one who was devoted in the Word and knew it inside and out. Yes, he was a genius when it came to God's Word. But there's a reason why he knew so much. It's not as if Ezra woke up one day and God said, poof, you know the scriptures. What we see is a determination from Ezra. That's what we read in, in verse 7. Look, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. He had set his heart. Now, we can focus on that word study, but I want to focus on that word set his heart. That phrase, Ezra was determined there was nothing that was going to thwart his plans. He had decided he was going to study the law of the Lord. When we think about studying Scripture, it sounds kind of boring. I've seen T-shirts, bumper stickers, posters, whatever it may be, that talk about the Scriptures, and it says, you know, you need to, to study the Word because there will be a test. You know, and it's kind of this clever, you got to know what it says, but it always kind of puts me in this mindset of school. You guys can appreciate this. It puts me in this mindset of school, like I've, I've got to get a certain grade before God. I, I've got to make sure I know enough or else God's probably not going to pass me into heaven. Right? I don't think that's what studying is at all. I think studying the Word of God is much less academic than we make it out to be. 
Studying the Word of God isn't, I need to set a benchmark for how many chapters I'm going to read. Studying the Word of God is much more like studying your spouse. When I got to know Hannah, I did not know anything about her. I thought she was quiet and shy. Boy, was I wrong. But I, I got to meet Hannah. We, we got to date for about a year. We got married, and over the last 16 years, we've spent getting to know each other. And, and it wasn't as if I sat there and I went, okay, I need to make sure I know her favorite color. Because guess what? In the last 16 years, her favorite color has changed. <laughs> okay, I need to make sure I remember her birthday and I make sure she likes these type gifts and not these type gifts. This is the type of music she likes to listen to. I'm going to write all these things down so that when she asks me if I know the answers to these questions, she's going to be so impressed. Yeah, she could care less. Do you know what I, I have found she appreciates? That I listen. I get to know who she is that I know that when her favorite color changes, I'm aware of that because we have conversations. Not because I'm studying for a test, but because I'm studying to know her and vice versa. Yes. Studying the Word of God is, is not so that we can pass some benchmark. Studying the Word of God is so we can be invested in the author of the Word of God. We can know who God is. Imagine this for just a second. God has not only revealed himself to you in written word so that you can know about him. He's written to you. He's given you his word so that you can personally know him. It's as if God's going, this is all the things you need to understand to have a right relationship with me. Question, can we this year, forget about the word study. Can we this year just determine, set our hearts to be in the Word of God. Because we want to know the author of that Word. Ezra was determined to make Scripture a priority. There was nothing else that was more important than him knowing the God of the Bible. What does that look like for you and for me? Well, it probably looks different for many of us. But for all of us, it looks like this. We need to make sure we take in as much Scripture as we can now, for some of you, very slow readers like myself, that means you're getting through a, a short chunk of Scripture at a time. I've never been successful, nor will I ever be successful, at reading through the Bible in a year. Some great plans out there, and if you're a fast reader and you want to read through the Bible in a year, have at it, go for it. We'll talk more about that in our next point. But, but for me, I, I need to be able to, to just get Scripture in. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you don't need to read six, seven, ten chapters a day. You just need to read today. You, you need to set a time. Say, okay, it doesn't matter what else is on my calendar. Today, I'm going to make sure I'm in the Word. I also want to tell you that he was determined to make Scripture a priority, not commentaries a priority. It doesn't say that he pulled out all the scrolls written about Scripture to know all of that. That's study, and those are good. But he made Scripture. He was... He was determined to set his heart to know the law of the Lord. Your devotion book is great. Use your devotion book. Do not throw your devotion book away and do not feel bad about having a devotion book. But when it gives you one passage of scripture and three paragraphs of devotion, make sure you're still reading more scripture than you are opinions about scripture. God wants you to know his word, not about his word. So determine that you're going to be in the Bible itself. That you're not just going to open up a book and trust what that verse says. You're going to open your Bible and read what that verse says. 
You're going to read the verses in front of it and behind it and say, Lord, I'm determined to know more about your word today than I did yesterday. You've got to make it a priority. We make things that are important to us at the top of our list. I mentioned this in the welcome, but yesterday I watched roughly six hours of Kentucky athletics. My wife is so tired of sports that I will probably not be watching football today. But Kentucky played in a bowl game. And I said, listen, you've got to know, at 11 o'clock we kick off and the TV's mine. And by the way, at 5 o'clock basketball tips off and I need the TV then too. And by the way, it's going into overtime. Wait, no, double overtime. And so here we are, about six hours of my day yesterday was spent watching a team that I love. They frustrate me, I'm mad at them half the time, but it's a priority to me because I care about them. It's amazing when we care about something that we make it a priority and we, we put it on a calendar. We tell other people, you can't touch this time, this is important to me. We do this with our, our work schedules, we do this with school and class, we do this with our fun activities. Saturday's the day set aside, we're going shopping or we're doing this or we're spending time here, or we're doing this there. You've got to make Scripture, a priority enough that you have time set aside that nobody can touch it. This is my time. All right, kids, you need breakfast. You're going to have to wait 15 minutes. You can fix a bowl of cereal. It's okay. Or you can wait. Husband, wife, I love you, and I want to have a conversation about your day, but I'm, I'm carving out this time so you know that at this time of day, this is my time with God. Maybe you go above and beyond and you say, I'm getting up before anybody else is up so I don't have to take time away. Or maybe you say, this is a, a time that's already free. Or maybe I'm cutting something out to replace with Scripture. But you have to determine in your heart, set your heart, this is important to me. And nothing's going to touch my time in the Word. Ezra set his heart, was determined to make Scripture a priority. But secondly, we saw how he read Scripture. And it, we see that Ezra read Scripture for understanding, not knowledge. He read Scripture for understanding and not knowledge. It wasn't how much can I quote Scripture, although I bet Ezra could have quoted a lot. It wasn't could I pass a test or a quiz, which I bet Ezra would have got hundreds in Bible class. The question Ezra had is, what am I going to do with the knowledge I'm reading from Scripture? Do I understand what God is trying to teach me? That's that phrase we read in verse 10. He was determined, set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. It's one thing to read the instructions. It's another thing to assemble the product. It's one thing to, to know what the textbook says. It's another thing to apply it to everyday life. In our crazy Reed Academy homeschool setting, I get to be the math teacher. By the way, I'm not very good at math anymore. I used to be, but I'm not. But you know what I, I do know that I'm really good at? Is reading through the textbook, watching the education, the, the teaching videos, and helping my girls understand what needs to be done. What they hate more than anything is word problems. I take that back. Ashton hates subtraction. But other than that, word problems. Word problems are so frustrating to them. Like, you've got to try to figure out now, it's not just one plus one is two. You've got to figure out if you have one of something, and then there's another of something, and they want to combine it, and you've got to figure out whether you add or subtract or multiply or divide. And Of course, those are more incredibly complex than that. And they're usually multiple steps, so you've got to convert, and then you've got to... And I get so frustrated, I'm trying to share with them that the word problems, this is all of you. The word problems, that's what your math in real life is. 
you're never again, when you graduate, you're correct, you're never going to have a worksheet in front of you. Well, I don't know, maybe some of you will. But you're hardly ever going to have a worksheet in front of you that says, this is the equation, punch in the numbers. Usually you're going to be baking in the kitchen, making Christmas cookies, and it's going to call for a, a cup of whatever the ingredient is. And you're going to go, well, I've only got a third of a cup, and you're going to have to convert. I need three of those. Or vice versa, I need a third of a cup, and I've only got a half a cup, and so I need to figure out how I'm going to make this work. You have to think through these problems. You're very rarely going to have this laid out knowledge quiz. And the same goes with your walk with God. I do not believe that we're going to stand before the pearly gates. And Paul, who is always the one in every joke standing at the gate, I don't know why, Paul's going to be standing there going, I tell you what, if you can answer this quiz about the book of Ezra, I will let you in. (laughs) You know what he's going to say is, what did you do with your life? What did you do? You understood the Bible, but did you live it out? You, you knew about it, but did you, did you apply it? See, we're far too concerned with Scripture consumption. Do, do we have it? Do we have it? Do we have it? Do we have it? That we forget the point of having it is to use it. Which, by the way, is why I'll come back to the read through a Bible in the year. If you're a fast reader and that's a goal, God bless you, do it, and I'm not going to discourage you in that. But what I'm going to share with you is it's much less important that you read huge chunks of Scripture much less important that you have this intake, and it's much more important than the scripture that you read, you can apply. I love, I talked to uh, Tracy not that long ago about reading through the Bible, and I love his his most recent outlook on it is, I'm not setting, uh, I've got to read a chapter a day, or this many verses a day. I'm going to read until God teaches me something. And some days I get hung up on a verse. And some days I I can go through several chapters because the whole of it is, is teaching me something. But Lord, I'm not reading to consume it. I'm reading to understand it and apply it. So this New Year's, don't be discouraged if you can't keep up with a plan. But the plans are great. If you have a plan, use a plan. They're, they're great tools. But don't be discouraged if you fall behind because you go, I didn't really understand that. I need to reread it. Or I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from this. I need to ask some more questions. Don't be discouraged if you get a little bit behind the consumption. Ask yourself, God, what am I going to do with the word you've given me today. Ezra was determined to know the word, but not just for knowledge, for understanding and for application. And then finally, the reason why Ezra wanted to to know and understand what Scripture was, he, he mastered that understanding of Scripture in order to share it with others. Ezra's desire to be a scholar in the word was not so he could have a Ph.D. in the Bible. Ezra mastered his understanding of Scripture to share it with others. I'm very slow in my, uh, my education process at this point in life. I have a bachelor's degree in youth ministry. You didn't know your pastor was really uh, trained to be with youth and not with adults. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just winging it with you guys. I've worked on some seminary master's level classes. I have, and I'm probably about maybe a third of the way through after I've graduated 15 years ago. I'm on the the long-term plan. I've teased for a long time. Teased for a long time that I want to eventually get my doctorate. I really would. 
I think it would be amazing to go through the whole process, earn my seminary degree and earn my doctorate degree, but not for the reasons why you think it is. I want to earn my doctorate so that my wife has to introduce me as Dr. Reed. That's really why I want it. Um, I, want, I want my business cards to have a couple of letters on the front. That, that's really what I, I desire. So if you guys want to give me an honorary doctorate, I'm okay with that. I don't need the education. If you want to start calling me Dr. Reed, I won't tell you no, right? This is not Ezra's plan. Ezra's not looking for a certificate. Ezra's not looking for you've completed, right? You, you've got this mastery of it. Congratulations. You get a pin or a, a, a scroll to hang on your wall. It's, it's a mastery of the scriptures because there are people who don't know it and they need to know it. His mastery and his understanding of scripture was so that he could tell other people about the scriptures. That's why it says in verse 7 that he was determined to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and rules in Israel. Now that word teach might lose you because immediately I always have people go, I'm not a teacher. It's not me. I'm not a teacher. It's not my thing. I'm not geared towards education. And I would argue that Ezra's purpose in teaching was not primarily academic either. His teaching wasn't always standing up front and delivering some sort of sermon. I believe Ezra was determined to teach his children. Ezra was determined to teach his family. Ezra was determined to teach, teach that Gentile who needed to know the things of the law of the Lord. He was determined to teach the people who had been away for 40 years and forgotten what Scripture was. This is how God wants you to live. It was much less of a, a stand-up-and-proclaim-teaching moment. And Ezra was determined that everyone would know what the Bible says because God wrote the Bible for every person. And so you, you have a responsibility to learn and master the Scriptures, to be a Bible scholar, not so that God can pat you on the back and be proud, but because your neighbor is lost and doesn't know what the Bible says and has questions. They're going to ask you, you have a responsibility to, to know and master the scriptures as well as you can because there are people in your family that are lost and they need to hear the truth of God's word. There's a, a world out there that is yearning and longing to know, what does God want from me? And God has given you the book and said, you, you read it, you know it, so that you can share it. Ezra mastered his understanding of scripture so that he would be ready to tell others what they needed to know about God's Word. So this year, I don't know what your resolution is, your plans are on, on Scripture reading. I hope the plans are to do more of it. I hope that you read and are determined to read so that you can live it out in your own life and you can be ready to tell other people what God has in store for them. This morning, I would encourage you to make a resolution right here, right now, to be a Bible scholar in 2021. To do everything in your power, to know everything you can about God's Word. And it may mean for you just starting to read and applying it on a day-to-day, -day, simple basis. You'll be amazed to see how God grows you and teaches you and gives you opportunity to share that with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us your written Word. We've not even scratched the surface about how amazing it is that our Creator God would reveal Himself to us in such a, a point-blank way. And Lord, we ask Your forgiveness for, for not making Scripture a priority. 
where we've spent hours doing things that pleasure us, that bring us happiness in this life. Lord, we pray that we would realize you've given us eternal life in front of us. Lord, let's be determined to make your word a priority, to live it out and understand what it says, whether that means reading books at a time or verses at a time. Lord, give us, give us an understanding to apply it to our lives. And Lord, let us not keep it to ourselves, but the whole purpose, the whole purpose of knowing who you are is to, to follow you and to help others follow you. Let us share it and teach it. Lord, let us be Bible scholars this year because you have given us not just a written book, but your very words, your very life. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And we commit, we make a resolution today to study it, to do it, and to teach it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.